This is the Medical Matters Podcast, a program which brings direct information, engaging discussion, and insight into the current state and issues surrounding healthcare. Now, here's your hosts, Dr. Peter Breyer and nurse practitioner Kelly McCormick. Welcome to Medical Matters Podcast. <laughs> I think, Peter, we're out of practice. We've had a busy... Yeah, we had a little vacation there for a yeah, while. Yeah, just, just a wee bit. So, right. uh, anyway... Um, so, so today we wanted to kind of talk about and follow up with uh, Damar Hamlin. He was the Buffalo Bills football player that collapsed on the field, looked like right. after he had a, a hit. And um, uh, apparently it was a clean hit, and he was elbowed in the chest, and then he developed a cardiac arrest with a cardiac arrhythmia known as ventricular fibrillation, which is usually lethal if not treated and of so, course they had all the equipment which for something like uh, ventricular fibrillation is uh you need to be shocked you need right. the eight you need that good old aed to um shock out of that rhythm um so after the fact he was in the hospital i'm sure had this big huge workup work Mm-hmm. And essentially, they didn't find any cardiac-related cause. They found that he has a normal structural heart and a normal electrical heart. So uh, his, they did find a diagnosis of exclusion. And it is a diagnosis of exclusion, so there's no real way of proving it. But they call it uh, commodio cordis. Which I think certainly through the hype of everything after he had collapsed on the field, you know, a lot of people were talking about that. And, of course, uh, you know, the articles and media and, you know, all of that were all kind of like, don't jump to conclusions. How do you know it's that? Blah, 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 blah. Well, and um, and then he had the big workup and didn't find, you know, like he might have had, you know, where probably probably underwent like a cardiac cath and to look for a blockage or, or something um, of that nature. And uh, so the most common cause of sudden death in an athlete is uh, idiopathic hypertrophic subaortic stenosis or asymmetric septal hypertrophy. It has set several names, but that's a congenital heart condition associated with a heart murmur where uh, restricts the outflow of blood to the heart. And strangely enough, the stronger the heartbeat, the worse the condition. So that's why it, it does cause sudden death. So that's a more common phenomenon. It should be picked up on uh, physical examination usually by uh, if, if kids undergo uh, screening tests. So this is a much more uncommon condition associated with normal hearts, where if the heart is struck on the chest, if someone's struck on the chest with like a baseball or a hockey puck, uh, or in this case an elbow, if they hit it, the chest wall at a particular time in the cardiac cycle, that it can precipitate this cardiac arrhythmias. And it's very rare. There's only 20 cases in the United States last year, but it's lethal. It could be lethal. So it brings up several interesting questions about what happened to this man. Uh, A, 
could it have been prevented? Uh, B, what are the dangers of playing sports in, in, for young athletes? Um, see what are the restrictions that this guy should have or should he have any restrictions should he go back to playing football because he's intending on going back to playing football so well there's your answer right there <laughs> i didn't say whether he was i said should he i know you go back said the should football? he but it sounds like he's the is he <laughs> he, he is, is he is going to um apparently so um, yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm sure they'll probably keep close monitoring of him. I, you know, you just wonder, like, as an athlete, like, if that is something that you experienced, because of course, football, it's not like you're he's bowling. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there's well, you could drop a bowling ball on your foot. Well, you could, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's. It's safer. It's a safer sport. Yeah, safer sport. You know, obviously with football, there's going to be tackling and bumping and banging and all of that going on. Actually, um, this particular problem is much more common in baseball, hockey, and lacrosse, apparently, uh, because of the size of the balls and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the force of the balls that uh, hit people. So... Because um, the way they throw footballs nowadays is pretty fast, too, yeah. if it hits somebody in the chest. Well, I mean, I think of, like, you know, how about, like, you know, somebody coming at you with their head down in their helmet. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right in, helmet in hit. the chest Yeah, there. because they're not... Because I'm assuming the shoulder pads, you know... I would mean, pro- might protect you there somewhat. Yeah, or I would think that, I don't know, do they they go down that far to yeah, they cover... Go down, to kind of block yeah, down through down. the chest... A few inches. Yeah. yeah. So, um, personally, if I was this guy, I don't think I'd be playing football again. <laughs> <laughs> However, according to the cardiologist, he has a normal heart, and apparently, according to them, his chances of getting this happening to him again are no more likely than it could happen to you or me. Well, I know it's not going to happen to me because I'm not playing any of those sports. You haven't been playing football lately. No. No, no or baseball or lacrosse. Well, I play a little baseball sometimes. And definitely not hockey. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, uh, I wouldn't particularly be... I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to play again if I was this guy, but I guess the temptation to play is so strong and everything and... The story, you know, the fairy tale story about him coming back from the injury. So, uh, but his life was saved by an AED, and uh, I think there's and, and AEDs quick, now quick, at all sports quick events. Quick acting, huh? you know, uh, <clears throat> team. Yeah, quick thinking quick by acting his, team uh, by the, uh, the trainer or doctor, yep. whoever was there. Yep, to, to shock get things right going away. right away. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, really something. I saw that myself. But I think there are AEDs at all uh, high school sports events now. I would think think so. I think they have them in schools and all of that. So I would think, you know, knowing that there's always the possibility, you know, I mean, maybe not even just for, you know, the players themselves, but, you know, fans in the stand or... You wonder Something. if they have them at like little league baseball games and 
things like know. that. Because uh, there's a lot of that going on. It is. Well, uh, around here, opening season <laughs> was just the last weekend. So Right. So, I mean, most I think all sporting events should have maybe not chess matches, but <laughs> <laughs> I think all sp- most sporting events is... Events should have these AEDs, and of course, all schools yeah, should have I think them. Schools pretty uh, much save have lives. Those. Uh, whether he goes back to playing football, I guess it's a uh, personal decision. Yeah, I, I imagine you know, on some level, he's going on the advice of the cardiology team that saw him, and I'm sure. You know, probably back in Buffalo, his own cardiologist and, and team of doctors to to help, you know, kind of manage him and, and guide him. And then another question is, um, what do you do with a childhood athlete who you come up with a uh, problem like this? Or you just discover a prob- potential problem before they play and well, you would have to stop them from playing and evaluate the problem first. If you yeah, discover a heart murmur or something like that. Yeah, don't you think, I mean, you know, their family doctor would then have them work out, I mean, have a workup done, just Well, most kids, before you start a sport in high school, you, you, you undergo some kind of physical. Right. But I would assume that, you know, if you're going for a physical and you're noted to have a murmur, that then it would, you know, kind of go to the next step of, you well, know. most See, young kids have very frequently, uh, have frequent cardiac murmurs that are very benign nature. Mm-hmm. They're called flow murmurs. And I don't know if you'd want to work up every kid with a flow murmur. There are certain characteristics of a murmur that's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it increases when you valsalva or push down. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain other characteristics or a history of uh, passing out or something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, There's also uh, congenital problems uh, that are very rare, you know, like blockages in the heart or uh, valvular problems of the heart or aneurysms. Uh, So there are a fair amount of congenital problems that can affect children that go unrecognized and uh, something we have to accept with our sports if we're going to play sports so uh, but if I was this fellow particular guy I don't think I would play what do you think well I I think you know I think it's going to be what it's going to be and I think he's going to go by the guidance of his team of doctors and and, and really kind of what he wants to do and probably for himself kind of weigh the risks versus mm-hmm. the benefits for him. And, you know, again, if it was that Commodio Cordis event uh, because they've ruled out or excluded any kind of, you know, congenital structural heart disease um, or heart issues, then, you know, I guess in the big picture, right, if it's something that is a rarity um, in happening, um, that Interestingly, he may feel that 
you know, it, it would be worth playing again. Uh, it's more common in males, but maybe that's because more males play sports. Well, or just think of the, you know, I mean, think of the sports, right? Hockey, baseball. I mean, there's probably not of too course. many women's. I mean, women would be probably more along the lines of softball. Although I think now they do have like women hockey teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, certainly not on the, teams, I don't know on the sure. professional level, but I think there is a professional women's hockey league in Canada. Mm-hmm. Not sure, and it's most common in uh, younger people under age twenty. That may be because they have thin chests. Mm-hmm. As you get older, your chest gets thicker, and. Uh, if you don't die, <laughs> then there's no complications. If, well, you, uh, if you don't die or get brain damage, so, there's so no really complications. The, the only complication is dying. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, brain damage, I guess, could occur. So well, anyway, if you have a person who may have had this event, you would do blood tests, EKGs, echocardiograms, a heart MRI. Mm-hmm. Uh, or CAT scan and a probable heart catheterization, as you said. Uh, there is no preventative treatment. Other than don't don't get hit in the chest. One thing they do do for people who come in, uh, they try a therapeutic hypothermia, like lowering the body temperature. You mean to, anybody, when you have a cardiac arrest? Yeah, when you have yeah. a cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. to lower the body temperature. Yep, to preserve, preserve brain, brain tissue. function. I didn't yep. do that much when I was working. Uh, do they no, do it commonly? No, I would now? say that, yes, that's a very common, um, they call it like targeted temperature management, TTM. Mm-hmm. So anybody that, when they come in and they've had a cardiac arrest, they, they put they them in put, the targeted temperature. Is that right? Yep. That's interesting. Yep. So does it seem to uh, help or it's unsure? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I I would imagine it would work right because why would they still be doing it if mm-hmm. if they didn't? You know, I guess it you know slows down slows things down, right? And yeah, tries to preserve function. That's so, interesting. And, and and particularly, you know, I would think that on some level, right? You know, for, certainly in his case, right? Immediate people right there. Right? I mean, when I'm saying the immediate, the immediate attention. Right. You know, collapse, boom. People right right on him, right on his chest, doing doing what they need to do, right? Hopefully it's the right people around him, not people who don't know Right. So, but hopefully, you know, in those circumstances, you know, getting on the chest, doing the AED, shocking the heart, getting the CPR, getting things circulating... Again, trying to preserve, you know, what you can and certainly the, the blood flow to the brain, yep. you know, you a, a little different than eight minutes when, you know, somebody collapses and maybe there's a group of people, you know, there is no AED available and there's maybe people that don't you know how do to CPR. do CPR, that kind of thing. And people are waiting for ambulances and medical crew. And again, as each minute passes, yeah, well, everybody, you know, I mean, not everybody, but if you can, you should try to learn CPR if you're able to, because you might save a life someday. That's true. And uh, that's a big thing for people, I think, uh, oh, saving yeah. lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, yeah, so I think a lot different. So I'm sure, you know, I would think that the targeted temperature management stuff was probably born out of, you know, again, preserving. Positive experiences. Yeah. I and, think they started you know, using that for drowning victims and originally. The, the, the um, you know, the downtime, what we call the downtime, you know, how long was that person down without any kind of circulatory support? Um, yeah, it doesn't take long to, uh, you know, to, to get to that blood flowing. And, um, irreversible damage. Right. Again, that's, eight that's minutes the goal or so. to, to prevent that. And, uh, and they did a heck of a job there. You have to give them credit for oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, hopefully at less uh, watched events, at getting down to the high school and even middle school level, even elementary school level. But, right. You know, they should have... I don't think they have these things available, like kids' sports, so like... Uh, I don't know. It would be a good question or, to, to ask. I'll yeah. ask, I'll have to ask, ask, I'll have, eh. I've got marbles in my mouth. Um, yeah, I'll have to ask my girls because they have elementary school aged kids. So it'd be interesting to know if at their schools, I wonder if they have AEDs. I'll, I'll have to ask they them They probably have them in that. the schools where they have them yeah. in the, when they play sports. But I would think that like any team or any level school, if you're having any sort of, you know, whether it's intramural or you know, that if they're having teams there and they mm-hmm. have, you know, the, the the sports management teams and the trainers and that kind of thing, you know, that they would have something like that available to them. You would to think use. you would think they would have something uh, available, uh, but you know, when I was a kid. We didn't. We played mostly pickup games, you know. Yeah. When you were a little kid, I mean, you certainly didn't have anything there. No, but I mean, certainly times have changed, right? Yeah. And you know, maybe have something like that. You know, what I would think about is from the the you know months later, you know, all the people watching, the people in the stands and stuff. Was there any kind of post-traumatic stress type reaction for people that were watching um, watching witnessing and, and everything um oh, you wonder. I, yeah it, it's kind of hard you know it's one of those things i think of you know certainly you know i'm sure you know you've had a lot of exposure over the years and certainly you know when you're in the hospital rounding and and for me, you know, and certainly working in ICU and just in the hospital in general, when a code is called, you know, you show up and, you know, you're, you're part of the code team doing CPR, giving the meds, doing whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that highly scripted. Right. It's but, different when you're out in the world. Right. But, but I'm thinking like the, the post-traumatic stress because there has been some... Um, studies and stuff done for whether or not like families should be present during you know like a resuscitation and stuff and is that beneficial or not and that well it's a it's a difficult situation i think uh, to have the family present when you're doing cpr uh it's a very tense situation it is what do you think i think I think I think the the literature has said that that it's can be beneficial for for families, uh, but 
you know, I, I think it probably depends on a the individual. Beneficial for families. Really, oh. I would think it would be a traumatic event. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, a post-traumatic stress, stress event. Stress type situation. But you're saying they may get less post-traumatic stress yeah, if, they, if they're there. You know. I don't know. I, I could see it either way. So that that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um. Most times, at least... Uh, up until recently, I guess the families were asked to leave. Yeah, well, yeah, that's always that's true. It, and um, so, you know, pro there's probably, you know, the part that says it's probably one of those things that, you know, like from an emotional perspective, like hard and maybe not the best best thing. But then, so whether or not, you know. I would think the emotional part, yes, but the the part for families, I guess, to know that the people that are taking care of their loved ones, that they witness kind of that that, that code team is trying to do everything they can to help their loved one in, in terms of, you know, bringing them back, having them survive. So it's, probably from an emotional standpoint, to be part of the code is probably very difficult. Um, I would say I don't think it's a good idea for the family to be present. Maybe under certain circumstances it's, it's okay. But it's a very emotional time. It's a very high stress time. I hate to say it, but some people might say things that were family might not be too happy about during a code. I mean, things are said during a code, you know, and uh, there's like 30 people in the room. Mm -hmm. and well, there's I, I don't certainly know. a it's lot like, of people. It's like a chaotic situation. And um, I, I think if I was a family member, even knowing what I know, I don't know if I'd really want to be in there when somebody... One of my loved ones was being cased or, you know, CPR. Coded. Coded. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I think I think on some level it probably de depends, um, you know, on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think it's... I think it's it's a hard thing. You know, I think sometimes it can be hard to for the code team, right? And in particular, you know, if it's somebody that's you know a young kind of a thing, or it's a know, very high stress situation. It is a very and high. There's tons stress. of people in the room. There's one person in charge, supposedly, mm -hmm. but then there's other people who make decisions too, like the. The doctor would be in charge for right. the most part, and then the nurse is also in charge of the medications and right. But and, I mean, and making sure things are done say, right. Right. Oh, I would say it's you know, I mean, it's you always have like the point, but you know, it's always kind of a collaborative team effort, right? You know, in, in those situations, you know, everybody kind of, you know, people kind of have a, an assignment per se, right? You have. Yeah, but you then know, you have people who are just in the room and doing you, nothing. <laughs> you do, or the standbys, because, you know, 
well, if you've ever done CPR, you know it's very exhausting, right? right? You so have you to can have three, do three people or so to do. You know, it. probably you know two two minutes before you really start getting pooped right. out, and then you need to switch with somebody, right. and then you know after those people do their two minutes, then switch to the next person. So it can be um, very difficult and, and very very exhausting. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think it's interesting that he's coming back. I you know good on him, and I hope it it all works out for Demar Hamlin, and hopefully that um, you know with his um, the guidance of his his cardiology team and his you know internist and whatnot that you know all will go well for him, and that you know we I'm sure next fall or whenever they start their their season in the summer or their preseason stuff, um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of eyes you know watching him to to see how he does, and hopefully a lot of people rooting for him to 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 do succeed. well yep to succeed well. and and do well and not have any untoward you know effects or anything. Well, he's a brave man. In he my is. Opinion. Going back. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, more power to him and good luck. That's work. right. I don't know if I'd have. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd be too nervous. But anyway, so good on good on him. Well, thanks for listening to another um, episode of uh, Medical Matters Podcast. Have a happy, healthy, safe week. You've been listening to the Medical Matters Podcast. Listen weekly for more news and wisdom from professionals who provide direct patient care. The information discussed on this program does not take the place of your provider. Check out past shows, additional content, and leave your questions and comments at medicalmatterspodcast.com.